Folk, uh, please keep your Bibles open at that reading, Second Peter and chapter 3. Now just by way of uh, reminding us of the previous two studies, in the first one we asked the question, what's happened, thinking about the past? And this little letter was written by the Apostle Peter out of a deep pastoral concern for Christian believers probably living in the northern parts of modern Turkey. And Peter reminded them that God had acted in the past and made provision for the salvation of his people. God had revealed knowledge about himself. We call that knowledge number one. But they had to keep adding to their faith by knowledge gained through their own personal effort and study. That was knowledge number two. And those knowledges would enable them to live godly lives. God had spoken through the Old Testament prophets and then also through the New Testament apostles. And the scriptures record God's words to us and it's important to pay attention to what he has said. Godly living proved that the believers had responded to the call of God and their holy lives also confirmed their election by God to be part of his family. Then last week we asked the question, what's the problem? Peter knew that his life would soon end and he also knew that false teachers would wreak havoc among his readers. And Second Peter chapter 2 is a strongly worded exposure of the features, the character and the nature of false teachers and their teaching. Humanity leaves its dirty footprints, fingerprints on God's plans and purposes. Our attitude is too often, I'll do it my way. The best safeguard against error is to focus on the truth. Jesus said in his prayer to God in John 17, your word is truth. Peter had warned his readers that errorism was worse than terrorism. Well, we come to today. We now turn to chapter 3 and the question is, what are we waiting for? Peter begins in verse 1 by reminding his readers why he is writing to them. Look at it in that verse. This was his second letter and he says both letters are written with the intention of encouraging wholesome thinking the word wholesome means that a matter has been considered in the light of truth and reality and found to be both pure and sincere wholesome thinking in our context focuses on the words of God through the prophets and the apostles in scripture but what is it we're waiting for Peter now turns to the scriptures to make some key points to guide them in their thinking along positive and beneficial lines. Uh, 
He has five points to make. First point, Jesus says in verse 3, in the last days, scoffers will come. Now the last days is the period of time between the first coming of Jesus and his second coming. Peter lived in those last days and we live in the last days. But it seems that among the false teachers there were those who made fun of the fact that Jesus had not returned despite his promise to do so and they assumed that they could therefore ignore God's promises and carelessly pursue their own evil desires. Point one, in the last days scoffers will come. Now his second point in verse four. The scoffers thought that everything just goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. Now that was not wholesome thinking because it was wrong. In verse 5, they deliberately forget creation when God spoke and then acted. The worlds were made. They forget about the flood when God spoke and then acted and destroyed that part of the world and its unbelieving people. God has spoken again, saying that the heavens and the earth are reserved for fire and we should expect God to act again. God's people must respect his word and not be like others who forget or fall asleep. Peter's third point. In verse 8, he reminds them that with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day because he dwells beyond time. Whereas we are creatures who exist in time. The scoffers thought that because God spoke long ago, it didn't matter anymore. But that kind of thinking is dangerous. Now Peter goes on in verse 9 to say, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Peter is reminding his readers that God is not slow or behind schedule or running late, but rather he is patient. God is aware of the huge significance of that coming day when he will intervene again in human history. It will be a day of both deliverance and destruction. And he is patient because he is not wanting anyone to perish, but that everyone will come to repentance. You see, the scoffers sadly misunderstood God's grace when they foolishly thought that the supposed delay meant that Jesus was not going to come. In verse 10, Peter comes to his fourth point and he says quite clearly the day of the Lord will come. That day is inevitable and Peter expands on how it will come and some consequences of its coming. He's not suggesting that Jesus will come like a thief to take away something that is not rightfully his. No, no, no. Coming like a thief indicates that his coming will be unexpected 
as Jesus himself explained in Luke chapter 12. It implies that many people will be surprised and unprepared. Consequences will be spectacular. Upheaval in the heavens and upon the earth will have dramatic outcomes. That day will come. It's actually the day we are waiting for. Peter's fifth point. As Peter moves towards the end of his letter, he poses a probing question in verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? It's a central point of his concern for these fellow believers. The everything in the verse seems to refer to all that is stained and disfigured by evil at work throughout our human history. But Peter does provide the answer to his own question. He says you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. In verse 12, Peter uses a phrase that he repeats in the next verse and the next verse. In verse 12, it is looking forward to the day of God. In verse 13, it's looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. And in verse 14, looking forward to these future events should stimulate his readers to make every effort to be found ready. The day is coming. Looking forward. But the little phrase, make every effort, we've seen before in this letter. In chapter 1 verse 5, Peter urges his readers to make every effort to add to their faith those seven personal qualities that were listed in the chapter. Then in verse 15 of the same chapter, Peter explains what he will do. He says, I will make every effort to see that you remember these things. And then in the verse 14 of the chapter we're looking at this morning, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless and at peace with God. You see, there are things we have to do as well. And this phrase actually occurs in other parts of Scripture. Luke 13, 24, Jesus said regarding salvation, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because Many will try to enter God's kingdom and will not be able to. Romans 14:19. This time it's Paul who writes, "Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification." Further on he writes to the Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3 and says, "Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace." And then the unknown writer of Hebrews says in chapter 4, 11, let us therefore make every effort to enter God's rest. Look forward and make every effort. Now what does the little phrase mean? 
It draws attention to something that is important, something that's a priority, a matter that deserves mental concentration and physical effort. Peter pointed out at the start of this chapter that the purpose of his two letters was to stimulate wholesome thinking. It is vital to think rightly about life and living, to grasp firmly the key issues that determine our destiny. Now we can see why Jesus said to the Jewish teacher, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength to make every effort because Jesus is coming. When we look forward and think about the future, what ultimately counts is not economic development, it's not scientific research, it's not interplanetary exploration, it's not military conquest, it's not even sporting success. Rather, the key issue is to grasp God's truth revealed in the Bible and personally respond to that truth and show it in holy living. It will not be the United Nations. It will not be some treaty devised by friend or foe. It will not be a great leader, whether famous or infamous, that ultimately determines the future, but it will be God himself, the one who created and redeemed this world and its people, who will fulfil his purposes. In verse 15, Peter refers again to the Lord's patience providing more time for needy people to acknowledge their waywardness and to accept the gift of salvation. Peter reminds his readers that Paul wrote in similar terms about these important matters. And there were people who distorted his teaching. Consequently, Peter gives a clear warning in verse 17 Be on your guard so that you do not fall away, be carried away and fall from your secure position. He then urges his readers to grow in grace, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. There's knowledge again. It's knowledge number two the knowledge we come to understand from ongoing study and learning. And how can we grow? What about us? We might summarise with this acrostic. G, get right with God. R, read the Bible. O, obey what you read. And W, wait for the Lord's return with hope.
Well, let's draw some threads together from the overall studies we've done. Peter wrote about the past, the present and the future. God's past activity in implementing his plan of salvation and providing us with everything we need to live holy lives. Then there's the present problem created by false teaching in Peter's day but also in our own. And in today's study we've considered the future event of the return of Jesus. The day of his coming will be one of indescribable wonder and glory for all who believe in him and look for his coming. Yet it will also be a day of unbelievable disaster and distress for all who choose not to trust and obey him. Eternal reward and eternal judgment are equal realities in God's purposes. Peter has written about things, but he also gives us some useful guidelines. The first comes from his desire to stimulate his readers to wholesome thinking. It's an important habit for us to adopt. Then we should look forward and prepare for this coming day of good. Looking back on supposed good old days need not be helpful because the best is yet to come. It's in the future, not in the past. We should make every effort to hold faithfully to God's truth and through knowledge gained by personal study and learning add to our faith so that we live holy lives because Jesus is coming. Now Peter's concluding sentence, the last few words are interesting. In fact, they are unique. Of the 21 letters in the New Testament, only three end with a doxology. That is an expression of praise usually to God. Those letters are Romans, Jude and this little letter from Peter. Now furthermore, there are only three doxologies in the whole of the New Testament that ascribe praise to Jesus the Son. 2 Timothy 4.18, Revelation 1, 5 and 6 and in this chapter, verse 18. This doxology of Peter with its focus on the Lord Jesus, reveals that this unlearned and impetuous fisherman has been transformed by the life and ministry of Jesus, his Saviour and his Lord. Jesus is indeed God the Son and worthy of praise and of honour. Peter was looking forward to the return of Christ as King and so should we. Truly, the best is yet to come for all who trust and obey Jesus, our Saviour, our Lord and our coming King. Now we're going to sing about him The words will be on the screen if you need them, but I think you'll know them. There is a Redeemer, 
Jesus, God's own son. Joy will play an introduction and then we will stand, we'll sing the hymn and then we'll remain standing at the end. Friends, there is a Redeemer. Are you able to say he is my Redeemer? And are you looking forward to that day when we stand in glory and see his face? Now if those things trouble you, if there's something you are not sure about, that in your thinking... Yes, you need to do something to put these things right so that you are ready for that great day. Please speak to us. Speak to me or to a Christian friend here. 
be ready for that coming day. Now we're going to pray together and here is the prayer. It's adapted from First Thessalonians 5. But let's conclude by praying it together. Let us pray. May we not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, holding on to what is good and rejecting every kind of evil so that we grow more like Jesus. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify us through and through. May our whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls us is faithful and he is able to do it. Amen. Folk, thank you for your attention and your listening. I hope that the series has been helpful and informative. God bless you. Morning tea awaits us.